Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Man, oh man, we have a loaded show for you today. I'm very excited about the guests that we have coming up. And normally I will go through the whole rundown and tell you who's coming up, what's coming up, give you a show topic. But when you're a champion, you get to move to the front of the line. So today we are coming in hot. Let's jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And when I say that when you're a champion, you get to move to the front of the line, I mean it with everything in my heart. And right now, joining us on the phone lines is Coach Becky Hammond for the Las Vegas Aces, the champions of the WNBA. And Coach, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you starting off the show for us. And how does that feel just to hear champions of the WNBA. Has it sunk in yet? Not really, actually. <laughs> but it does sound good, and uh, you know we're going to enjoy this one for a while, but uh, we really feel like we're just putting in the foundations um, at this point, and so we, we want to continue to build and, and put a great product for uh, you know Las Vegas on the basketball court. I was down on the strip during the parade, during the championship celebration. I was standing right in front of the stage when the young ladies were dancing on stage. You were having a good time throwing out T-shirts. What Did it blow your mind about the crowd and just the celebration that all the fans and the support that, that the Aces had on the, on, on the other night? Yeah, I actually I didn't know what to expect. And um, I just remember going into it like, oh, man, I hope, I hope Las Vegas shows up, man. And sure enough, man. I could not believe it. We turned that corner and the, just the thousands and thousands of people um, that came up to support. It just goes to show you uh, what kind of sports town Las Vegas is. Um, this, this, this town is sitting on go um, when it comes to sports teams. So um, we were certainly happy that they came out and supported us. And uh, again, you know, we look to keep them engaged and, and build off it. Talking right now with the Aces head coach, Coach Becky Hammond here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And one thing that you said while you were speaking to the crowd was that Mark Davis, the owner, he puts his money where his mouth is. He, he brought you in as the head coach, made sure that you had the players. Because without the players, the coach can't get it done. What does it mean to have the full support, 100%, you know he's all the way in, of the owner, Mark Davis? I mean, it's honestly a big, big reason why I made the jump. Um, when you have, uh, you know, you can tell when, when you're talking to somebody who has true conviction about what they support. Um, but also I could just tell he loved women's basketball um, in my conversations with him. And so uh, it, it made the jump for me a little bit easier because of the security that he provides um, and he, I mean, he's, he shows up every game. I don't know what owners do that, but boy, he is in the stands. He is a <laughs> diehard fan and, uh, he's been awesome to work for. And it's just basically like, whatever you need, what do you need? Um, that's the only time he, I, I hear from him. What do you need? <laughs> you right. Know? Like I, I got everything I need. I just got to put the pieces together. Um, but we got everything we need. Yeah, and you did put the pieces together, and what a run that the Aces had from the beginning of the season. It's funny, me and you talked at media day before the season started, and you said, hey, as long as the young ladies, they buy in, we'll have a really good team. They bought in, obviously. You bring home a championship. How quickly did you see it come together where the team bought in to everything that you were, you were selling them? Well, you know, we got off to a great start. Um, 
and then we hit a rough patch. And in that rough patch, you know, even before we started losing a little bit, um, I think we lost five out of seven there. Uh, you know, building up to those games, I, you know, I said, there's a difference. I said, we're, we're not playing well. We're winning, but we're not playing well, and we're not playing the right way. So understand the difference. And then soon after that, you know, we kind of hit that skid. Um, but after All-Star, we hit the reset button. Um, we had renewed buy-in factor. And um, I think the results speak for themselves as far as they're concerned because um, at the end of the day, they want to win, and they want to win a championship, and they're willing to lay down whatever individual thing um, to make that happen. And so that's the kind of character that we have the team on the team. That's the kind of competitors that we have on the team. And I can do stuff. I can do something with that. So, uh, <laughs> I, I was thrilled with, um, how they came together as a team and, and really started to trust each other down the stretch. Yeah, no, they, they really did. And of course you have some great leaders and great players on the team talking about Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, uh, of course, Chelsea Gray. And you know, it's funny when it comes to Chelsea Gray, I feel like she kind of, she went from being good to great because she almost had a little bit of edge to her. Like, Oh wait, you, you're not noticing me. Let me show you what I could do. And she took her game to another level and that's what the great players do, right? They're able to, the, to raise their, the bar of what they do. Did you see that? Like maybe mid season, where Chelsea Gray just said, okay, let me take this game to the next level. For sure. I think after All-Star break, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could you could put her on top five players in the league. Um, the, all- the All-Star snub uh, definitely, I think, motivated her. Um, but, I mean, you saw it in the Commissioner's Cup yeah. championship game, too. I mean, when, when it's on the line, you know, we're in Vegas. This is a betting town. And when it's on the line, you put the ball in her hands. She's going to deliver. And, um you know, we just continue to ride that wave. She got off to a crazy start in the in the playoffs um, with Phoenix and then Seattle, and we just kind of rode that wave. Um, but then, you know, first and second team All WNBA comes out. I was like, oh, this is great. Your timing couldn't have been better. This, <laughs> enough, this girl, go ahead, make her mad again. And sure enough, in uh, Game Four, she came out and and, and put a hurting on him again. Just one more statement um, about why she's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, and I, I can guarantee as a coach you were excited about that. Yeah, that's that's cool. Go ahead and give her a little bit more reason to have a little bit more edge to her. And she sure did. She delivered for you. Again, we're talking with Coach Becky Hammond here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, uh, DeMond has one for you. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned after the All-Star break how the team basically had to refigure it out and come together again. But during that playoff stretch, what was your message to the team? I know that it's obviously we got to go out here and win a title, but what were you saying to the team exactly during this playoff run? Well, quite frankly, that little stretch, our defense sucked. And there's, there's no just, that's it. Yep. So we have to figure it out on the defensive end. Um, and, I, and I just told them, I said, you guys, if you want to be good, you guys are good enough individually, we'll, we'll be good. We'll be good, and we'll beat average teams. But if you, you want to be great, you have to go work for it. You have to go be intentional about greatness. Greatness doesn't just happen. And I thought uh, just as a group, we were more intentional um, after that all-star break and we just kind of continued to carry that, that, uh, that mindset. And, you know, I talk about a lot with them goat mentality for your teammate and what can I do? You know, there's a game. I was like, how many times, like anybody in this locker room, did any of you say, Hey, I got to go get a shot for so-and-so. And I said that right there, like you have to be about your teammates, especially when it gets hard, because what I saw in the past with this team was the tendency to just, somebody try to go do it on their own mm-hmm. and that's not going to get it done. You want to go do it on your own, go pick up a tennis racket or a golf club. Like, but here we got to do it together. And, um, they bought in defensively. 
Um, and that really was the difference maker uh, for us down the stretch was just their buy-in factor defensively because you, you don't play defense, you don't have a chance. Um, I'm like, our offense is good enough, but you do have to get stops on the other end, um, especially when things get hard on the offensive end. What got to buckle in defensively. What was uh, the, the key reason why your team was so good at, at closing things out on the road? I mean, that's always a hostile environment, but, you know, you close out Seattle on the road, you cl- close out the championship on the road against Connecticut. What was it about your team that just had no, no fear factor, just we'll get it done and we'll get it done the road, no worries? Well, <clears throat> first of all, I got some assassins, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. they, like, they like big moments. They like silencing crowds. Um, but we, we were a good road team all year. I actually, there was a treasure. I'm like, I like us better on the road. Mm. Um, fewer distractions. You got bunker mentality, you know, where it's just, you, you got us against the world. And so, um, in those moments on the road, you really have some things, you have, um, opportunities to build stuff that will help you down the road. And I thought, um, our ability to win on the road and that building confidence with basketball, any sport is a game of confidence. Um, you can take Joe Schmo from the YMCA and give him confidence and he might smoke through that noon league. Um, but it's a game where you start seeing things go your way. It can build a lot of confidence and belief is a scary thing. And uh, we, we gained a lot of belief and a lot of confidence in ourselves on the road. Um, and to go into Seattle and win two in Seattle, I mean, uh, that's, that was unbelievable. Um, and and it, it goes to their lock-in factor and their focus and their commitment to winning. Coach, you mentioned about, you know, uh, excuse me, when there were a lot of times in the series where the reporters were asking you questions and you mentioned like, hey, you're not going to give away the secrets. Even the players are like, hey, we can't let you guys know what our game plan was. But what was the key to getting that victory over a Sun team that was trying to play very physical basketball? Hit them back. Hit them back. They're hitting you. The refs aren't going to call it. Uh, We knew it was going to be a physical game. And so I said, you know, for me, the only way you deal with the bullies, you got to hit them back. Right. And, um, you know, we got to be respect, respectfully disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> and go play the game. Yep. No, that's real. That's that's real. And that's exactly what you did. We heard the conversation that you had with TC when you were saying, I've never been in a fight, but I know that if I go somewhere and I go with Dierica or I go with Asia and we go to the party together, we're leaving together. And she gets into something, I'm getting into something regardless. I mean, and, and your whole team took that mentality. How, how quickly were they able to pick that up? Well, I mean, I don't know a lot of people that like to get hit over and over and over again. Like at some point, you got to throw a punch back. That's right. And um, I'm not talking about playing dirty. I'm just talking about you got to level up the physicality because at the end of the day, I felt we had the better skill, but in game three, they had the better toughness and you can't lose a championship off toughness, not mental toughness. No. So we wanted to lock in physically, focus on a couple different things that we did defensively. Um, but then you got to go out there and you got to put the grunt and the strength and the, and the brute force. You, you can't meet you, the only way to beat force is to beat you got to meet it with more force. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so our, our game clips, you know, started off that next day after game three of them just hitting us, throwing us to the floor. And I just re- let it roll. <laughs> I was like, that's the game. So you're either going to get hit or you can partake in the fight. And um, they chose the fight. And they, they fought well and brought home a championship to Las Vegas. Again, we're talking with Coach Becky Hammond here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So getting back to ownership, Mark Davis being able to give you everything that you needed. I, I told everyone that would listen here on Raider Nation Radio, all Raider fans, I said, hey, you know, if, if he's willing to go 
out and do everything he can to help the Aces do what they need to do to get a championship. As a Raider fan, you should be excited because obviously he wants to win on all levels. So what would you say to Raider fans that are listening like, man, we sure would love to see a championship parade for the Raiders as well? I mean, it's about patience. And, and honestly, it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. Um, and you just you take each for, – for football, you know, my brother was a football player. My dad was a football player. And they talk about just how personal it is. You know, it's such a physical, um, like hand-to-hand combat practically. Right. Um, blood, sweat, and tears type of game. And um, a game of inches. But you can never get to a foot. You can never get to a yard if you don't ca- take care of those inches. So they'll be fine. I got, I got zero doubts. They'll be fine down the road. Um, and you have to learn from your mistakes. You can't make repeated mistakes. And so I think, um, you know, tough start here, but I, I think you're, you're going to finish well. No, I agree. I agree, and I think the team is a very talented team, so they'll be just fine. Obviously, it's a long season. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But, uh, Coach, before before we let you go, uh, again, very excited about the championship that you brought home. I know you said at the parade that that's not the – you're just getting started. So uh, do you feel like that this team, now that they've hoisted that championship, is going to be one of those where the, the players around the league are going to look and say, yeah, that's a destination location. I'd like to be a member of the Aces. Do you think that that's going to have that trickle-down effect? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there were some free agents that we went after this off season and they didn't want to come. And, uh, so, you know, you move on, you get the next piece and you get the next piece and you start building and the best testimonials are the ones from the players. And so they all talk to each other and it's the same in the NBA. And I'm sure it's the same in the NFL. Hey, come here. We're mm-hmm. taken care of here. All you got to do is worry, worry about showing up and, and playing hoops. And so we're trying to create an environment, um, where people, I really think people, when they're, they can be their authentic selves, um, perform better. Um, you know, so we want to we build an environment that, uh, obviously, with team in mind, but we want the best individuals, the best humans, and the people with the highest character and competitiveness coming to Las Vegas. Final thing for you, Coach. Uh, I know this is your first year here in Las Vegas. I've only been here a little bit longer than a year. You know, I got here in July of 2021, but that uh, that crowd at the Michelob Ultra Arena, that home crowd that you get, the stars that come out to check you guys out playing the game, what did that mean to you throughout the season? Well, at the end of the day, I mean, showing up matters, right? Um, And I think the fact that uh, guys like Tom Brady, John Morant, uh, and I can go down the the Mm -hmm. list, Ty Lue, uh, you know, there's so many people that were in the stands. Um, a says that it's a, it gives it validation, I guess, in, in some ways that not that I, um, think it needs validating. Right. Um, but, but to change minds like, Oh, okay. So-and-so is going to watch. I'm like, at the end of the day, you know what? We put a hell of a product on the floor, an entertaining type product and people want to come see good basketball. Um, and so, you know, the fact that they come out and support the ladies, um, you know, why can't Joe Schmo at Noonball? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, every chance I get to get out there and check out a game, I do. It's a very, like you said, entertaining but quality product at the same time. So, Coach, congratulations again. First year in Vegas, you bring home a championship. Congratulations to your team, and uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, there she goes, Coach Becky Hammond. That's a champion right there. It doesn't get any better starting to show off with a champion. You're talking about a champion, talking about hoisting the trophy. Coach Becky Hammond right there, a winner, brought home a trophy to Las Vegas. Got a hell of a show lined up for you. We're just getting started. 2.15 is the time. When we come back, we'll let you know the rest of the lineup. We'll throw out a show topic to you. We'll get down and dirty and busy. It's how we do it. It's Necessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. 
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. He's such a dynamic player, and, you know, when he runs, the way that he can run, you know, I tell him all the time, I'll grab him by, you know, there was a time in the game, I grabbed him by his face mask and I said, that's how you freaking run. You know, like, it's exciting, man. It gets everybody, like, going. You know, there was a couple of times where he's making two, three guys miss, turning them, boom, and then going, and boom, lowering his shoulder. Like, that kind of stuff gets, it's good for everybody. And then when he comes to the sideline, of course you're going to listen to that guy, you know, because he's giving his heart out there. They will keep it on the ground, and here comes Jacobs. Jacobs jukes to the outside, goes inside, inside the 30-yard line to about the 32. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. You heard Derek Carr right there talking about running back Josh Jacobs and running hard. And, man, on Sunday he was running hard. He was making a lot of things happen on his own. And, unfortunately, the Raiders did not continue to go to him. And, matter of fact, the Raiders haven't used a, a lot of the run game yet this season. I know it's a small sample size, only two games. But right now they rank 30th in rush offense in the league. There's only 32 teams. So they're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the rush offense. I'd like to see that uh, increased. I'd like to see the plethora of running backs that they have. I'd like to see them put to work. Something DeMond talked about yesterday uh, when we talked about uh, who or what you'd like to see more active on game days. I think that everyone would agree the running attack needs to be a little bit more active. Now you got to find that that balance. You got to find that sweet spot. I mean, you didn't bring in Devontae Adams to run the ball all day, right? I mean, so you got to find that sweet spot if you're head coach Josh McDaniels, but the running game definitely needs to be uh, used a little bit more. Again, you're talking, you're listening to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and we already started the show off with a winner. Coach Becky Hammond from the Las Vegas Aces, she joined the show to start things off. I mean, immediately she was on our phone line before we were even on, right? As soon as I walked in the studio, it's like, hey, coach is on. It's like, okay, let's go. So uh, excited to be able to start things off like that with Coach Becky Hammond. That just kind of set the tone for the rest of the show. So if we start off with a winner, that means we got to win in and as winners, right? If not, we did something wrong. So no pressure, but we got about two hours and, I don't know, a little over 30 more minutes to, uh, to, to finish strong. If we don't finish strong, well, then we failed. So uh, Coach Becky Hammond started things off. Coming up at 2.30, we continue to take a look at the opponent up for the Raiders next, which, of course, week three, it is the Tennessee Titans. So we'll talk to Teresa Walker, our good friend from the AP. She'll talk all things Tennessee Titans. She'll give us a breakdown of the injury report, who's in, who's out, as far as right now goes. I mean, it's Thursday, so you'll get another injury report tomorrow. And then on Sunday, about 90 minutes before game time, you'll also get the who's officially in and who's officially out but the Tennessee Titans man that's a team that needs a win as bad as the Raiders do you know only thing that they have going for them the only advantage I see and DeMond as a Tennessee Titan fan you could tell me the only advantage I see that the Titans have right now over the Raiders is that they play in the AFC South and that division stinks I'll be 100% honest. The Titans could be That's all I expect you to do. I don't expect you to be 65% honest. No, well, some people 100% might, honest all the time, Some dog. people might sugarcoat it, but I honestly believe the Titans <laughs> could go 0-3. It'd still be fine. And still be fine because the AFC South is not a very good division. I mean, you're, you're competing with the Jaguars, the Colts that have looked like blah, and then you're also competing with the Houston Texans who, okay, you know, they're competitive at times, but no one expects for them to be good. So, yeah, the AFC South is not the AFC West. The AFC West, you have the Broncos, you have, and they're not even looking that good. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's not uh, you know kid ourselves. The Broncos don't look very good, and I think that's something we talked about here on the show quite a bit, right? Oh, Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a genius. Oh, Russell Wilson's going to do this, that, and the other. They beat the Texans, but they barely beat the Texans. They didn't really look too hot doing that. So I think Nathaniel Hackett's got a long way to go. Uh, would not surprise me at all. I realize they have a win under, under their belt, and you know the Raiders do not, but... I would not be shocked at all to see 
the 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 Broncos with a terrible record when it's all said and done. I mean, just terrible. And when I mean terrible, I'm talking, you know, seven and seven and nine, something like that, six and ten. I can I can see that, and it's not me hating. It's just me saying straight up that that's not a very good team. We talked all offseason about, oh, the win, the win predictions for each team in the AFC West. Yeah. Where people are like, oh, man, how do they have the Broncos going this? Whatever. If you're a betting person, go pick the under right now. Because <laughs> what was it, like 10 games? That Some, Vegas yeah, 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 like yeah, 10 they had, games. yeah, yeah. I'm taking the under all day now. I feel even more confident, even though they have one more win than the Raiders. Right. No, I'm with you with that. No doubt about it. Again, it's at 2.30. Teresa Walker from the AP will join us to talk all things Tennessee Titans. Coming up at 3.30, Ted Wynn from The Athletic. He's going to break down Dylan Parham. Dylan Parham has been playing a lot of different positions since drafted by the Raiders. He's played all three interior offensive line positions, played center last week, filling in for Andre James, who, by the way, Andre James was back at practice today. He had the red non-contact jersey on, but he was back there. So that's a good sign as a guy who's dealing with concussions. He's got to be able to clear concussion protocol before he's back out there. So maybe Andre James is a go on Sunday. That would be good. Then maybe you could slide uh, Dylan Parham back to the guard position. But Ted pointed out on Twitter last night about the fact that he's providing some physicality to that offensive line that the Raiders haven't had in a while. And when he said that, all of a sudden, like a light went off in my hand. I was like, wait, hold on. They've had Trent Brown. They've had Rodney Hudson. They've had uh, they've had all kind of players, right? Gabe Jackson. Uh, they've had Richie Incognito. Uh, obviously, Colton Miller's there. But he was talking about Dylan Parham is providing some physicality that they haven't seen in a while, which kind of, it kind of made me say, hmm, okay, all right. Maybe that's why he's so successful because, look, this guy is a rookie. He's only played now in two games professionally. And no, is it perfect? Of course not. It's not. But man, he's looked apart. He's looked like he fits. He looks like it's not too big for him. Let's put it like that. In the pre-draft process, I feel like Trevor Penning had that, he had that tag of this guy's just so physical. Mm -hmm. But Dylan Parham is also the guy where he has that physicality, but he can also play on the field. He's also smart. He's got what it takes in between the ears as well. And not just that, hey, I'm going to out muscle you on the field. Right. And he's not the biggest dude. So it's not like he's Trent Brown like, right? Where he's a just a big monster and you got to run a country mile to get around him. I mean, he's not that guy. He's just a guy that is uh, compact. He's uh you know, he, he's not the tallest dude, but he's strong and he knows what he's supposed to be doing. And so, you know, when the Raiders drafted him in the third round, I was not going to try to lie to anyone and be like, "Oh yeah, he was on my radar." Wouldn't do that to you. Right? There's somebody out there that'd be like, "Man, he was he was one of my favorites coming out." No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. You know, and that happens every time in the draft. You know, there's always guys that everyone falls in love with and says, oh, this is when the, the Raiders should pick this guy in the third round, this guy in the fourth round, this guy in the fifth round. And then it's someone else, and you're like, oh, never heard of him, right? Dylan Parham was a guy that was not on my radar. But he looks like that that was a really good selection by the Silver and Black this past draft. So uh, we'll talk to Ted, all things Dylan Parham, what he's bringing to the offensive line. And then we'll flip it over and talk Chandler Jones as well, especially after Patrick Graham and Josh McDaniel said that they had him kind of rushing Kyler Murray in a different style to try to keep him in the pocket, which we all know that didn't work out. But still, we'll talk about Chandler Jones and the fact that he hasn't produced yet. What is he seeing on film? Ted does a great job of breaking down film. Then at 4 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Broadcast. He'll join us. He joins us every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. So last, well, Tuesday, a couple days ago, we talked about the game that was the Arizona Cardinals. Now, again, I've turned the page. I'm past the Arizona Cardinals. It's on to the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk about 
everything moving forward, what this team needs to do. We'll ask him about Dylan Parham. Has he seen that physicality? And does he think that the Raiders have lacked that physicality for a while? So that'll be Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock. Then Vinny Bonsignor will close things out at 4.30. Uh, he's there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center right now. Uh, they're doing uh, locker room access right now, which I hate that I'm not there. But, I mean, hey, you know, the day I can figure out how to be in two places at the same time, do a radio show and be in the locker room, I, I sign me up. Sign me up every day of the week and twice on Sunday because, man, I would love to be there right now and be able to have that access and talk to the players. But uh, the, the, just with the time that it, they have, we just don't have the opportunity. But Vinny Bonsignor will join us at 430 to talk about who he talked to, you know, what he's hearing, how this team is feeling as they get ready to make that trip to Nashville. So uh, that's what we got coming up for you as far as guests. We have uh, Teresa Walker from the AP. She'll be joining us in just a matter of minutes. I also wanted to tell you about our uh, our watch party that we're going to have. And just go ahead and call her. That's cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have this watch party on Sunday. I mentioned it yesterday, and I didn't know. I didn't have the green light, but I just went ahead and rolled with it. Sunday, if you're in town and you want to watch the Raider game, come to the M Resort. I know the game kicks off at 10 a.m. That's fine. No worries. Eric Allen's going to be there with the pregame show. JT's actually going to be in Nashville. So it's going to be JT in Nashville, Eric Allen at the M Resort. We'll be there watching the game. We'll go through the whole game, watch it, win, lose, tie, whatever the case may be. And then I'll host the postgame show from the M Resort. So we're turning this into a watch party. So Raider Nation, we want you to come out, show up, show out, have a really good time. Last time we were at the M Resort for the uh, the Bengals playoff game, it was a lot of fun, so I'm expecting a, a, a large crowd as well. Again, I said it's an early kickoff. That's fine, 10 a.m. No worries. Just come on out, hang out with us. It'll be the Titans and the Raiders week three action uh, from the M Resort right there in Henderson. Joining us now on the phone lines to talk all things Tennessee Titans is our good friend Teresa Walker from the AP. And Teresa, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And how surprised are you by this 0-2 start for the Tennessee Titans, a, a team led by Mike Vrabel, who is, in my opinion, a really good head coach. I have a lot of respect for him, but just not the start that I expected to see. How, how surprised are you? Well, definitely surprised. I mean, let's not forget that if uh, Randy Bullock doesn't hook a 47-yard field goal just left at the end of the first game, they're 1-1, one and one, and it's more like, well, they lost a road game to a team that everyone thinks is a, a very popular Super Bowl pick in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, instead, it's 0-2, and, and they got completely you know, beat up, beat down, embarrassed by the Bills, and so now it's a different situation. You know, Mike Vrabel still is the, you know, the AP, the reigning AP NFL Coach of the Year. He won the Pro Football Writers Association's Coach of the Year. I mean, so, you know, and he did the, he won that because last year they went through a record 91 different players, most ever in a non-strike season, and that included not having Derrick Henry for nine games. And, uh, you know, but, you know, this is a new year. And they're playing a lot of rookies. Uh, they, they, you know, they had like four rookies start the other night in Buffalo. You know, Traylon Burks is one you'd expect. He was the 18th pick overall, the guy that they used to, or trying to help replace AJ Brown. Uh, you know, but uh, they, the bigger problem has been uh, they've been their own, own worst enemy at times. You know, they they make a great play. You know, uh, Eddie, um, excuse me, uh, Derrick Henry should have had a hundred yard game in the opener against the Giants. But a 20-yard run gets wiped out by a hold on uh, the new left guard. Uh, in Buffalo, Robert Woods takes the ball, goes 17 yards. 
and it's wiped out by you know center Ben Jones grabbing a helmet. Mm-hmm. So right now they're you know the the penalties are very uncharacteristic of a Mike Vrabel coach team. Now there's a lot of roster turnover, but that's the NFL. Every year you're going to have you know twenty to thirty percent of your roster is, is changing over, and they are leaning on a lot of rookies. But it's like it, it is little you know it, you know now people are starting to say, well, is Eddie you know is, is Derek Henry lost a step? Right. And I almost slipped and said Eddie George because I heard these questions with Eddie mm-hmm. at the end of his tenure with the Titans, with Chris Johnson at the end of, at the end of his tenure. Well, right now you know Derek Henry is the two time. Uh, defending well, he's not de- defending two time, but he is a two time NFL rushing champ who was leading the NFL when he broke his foot last year and still finished ninth in the league last year. So uh, it just doesn't feel like they've come together on offense. I mean, shoot, I think they've got 13 points and 20 drives after starting each of the first two games with a touchdown. Uh, you know, something after that first drive. Things just are not clicking for this team. Talking right now with Teresa Walker from the AP here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. As far as the injuries go, I wanted to ask you about that because there is a pretty lengthy injury report right now for Tennessee. And, of course, Taylor Lewan's a guy we're paying attention to, Bud Dupree, Christian Fulton. Uh, what, are, what is the latest and the greatest when it comes to those guys? Well, I have to admit, I you know uh, the fact that there's a lot of people on the Internet saying, well, I think that's a season-ending injury for Taylor Lewan. Well, they put people on IR this week, and he's not on there. So he did not practice again today. Uh, saw him walking around in the locker room yesterday. Didn't see a brace or a wrap or something on the knee. You know, he was carted off the field after the first play Monday night. Um, you know, so the fact that he's still around, you know, he may not play this weekend. He has not practiced for two straight days. It's a short turnaround. But, you know, the fact that he's not on IR tells me that, uh, you know, either they don't need to put him on IR yet, they did put a reserve offensive lineman, Jamarco Jones, on IR today, but they haven't done anything with Taylor Lewan, so he may not play this week. But you know, it certainly seems like they think he could be back in. A, in you know, nowadays to go on IR, you've got to be on there for at least four weeks. So if Taylor Lewan misses this week, it doesn't sound like they expect him to be out very long, since there has not been a move made at this point. But uh, the offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, today said that you know, kind of curious to see how. Dennis Daly does having a week to practice. You know, he's the guy who went in at Buffalo. He's he's a veteran. They traded for him from Carolina. He's got experience starting in this league, uh, and he's going to have a week of practice to try to get up to speed and see if he can help this team. So it sounds like he's going to be playing in place of Taylor Lewan. Uh, and outside linebacker, at this point, I'm preparing to see Rashad Weaver. Uh, you know, guy played three year, uh, games last year as a rookie. And uh, Ola Denny on the other side. And, you know, that their, their outside pass rush is, is a little thin at this point. And Christian Fulton, he returned to practice this week uh, after sitting out Monday night. But he's been limited. And, you know, obviously, you know, they, they did a, a walkthrough yesterday. And, uh, you know, when you're coming off a of Monday night, it's not like they're out there in pads. Uh, on a Thursday, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but I think the sign's pointing more toward him being back at this point, barring any setbacks. They're going to need, considering who's on the other side of that team, uh, line on uh, Sunday. Talking all things Titans right now with Teresa Walker from the AP here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing, he mentioned today that they just need to get back to their bread-and-butter schemes on offense. What are the Titans' bread-and-butter on offense besides just hand it off to Derrick Henry? Well, that's a big part of it, right? Uh, Play-action pass. 
I mean, play action pass is their bread and butter. And, you know, the threat of Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball, getting it out quick, and moving the ball. You watch them on their first two, you know, the first drives of each of these first two games, and they look like a great offense. You know, they're throwing the ball, Derrick Henry's, you know, picking up a couple yards, and they, you know, and they just move down the field pretty quickly. Uh, Traylon Burks had a, you know, he had 47 yards the other night and, you know, had one really nice route where, you know, he had room to run. And then they had an empty backfield set where, you know, they were trying to get the ball to Burks in a crossing situation and just couldn't connect. So, uh, you know, and now you've got Taylor Lewan, you know, potentially out. You know, you would think that with, you know, Chandler Jones had five sacks against uh, Ryan Tannehill the last time he played him last year, forced two fumbles. Uh, you know, and then, oh, yeah, there's Max Crosby on the other side. So it's going to be interesting to see how they try to do that bread and butter, needing to potentially Max protect to help protect Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and Todd Downing, he also mentioned about something that Raider fans can remember with John Gruden about the opening script, like those first couple of plays that are going to be scripted out. So it sounds like after the opening script, which goes well for the Titans in the first two games, that the offensive game plan seems to fall apart. Well, it, and it's tough to tell. Is it offensive game plan or is it just the lack of execution? You know, as I mentioned, there have been a lot of penalties and a lot of penalties that have wiped out really good plays. I mean, if you get a 17-yard pickup, a 20-yard pickup, those are big plays. And, you know, they had a bunch of explosive plays in the opener, and yet they couldn't close the deal too many times. So for, uh, you know, a couple of field goals and then had, you know, thought they set up for the game-winning field goal at the end, only see it going to the you know wide left. So um, you know that's that's how that you know, it's the NFL guys. Sometimes that margin for error is just this close. And you know there's a lot of talk right now about getting all 11 guys on the same page. You know, and that's the thing. It only takes one guy missing a block. Uh, you know, Tory Carter, the fullback. You know, they've loved this kid, and yet I counted at least four missed blocks the other night in Buffalo. You know, Jeff Swain. They've they've said he's our number one. Uh, blocking tight end. Well, when he's out there on the field, odds are pretty good. He's probably going to be blocking on a running play. So, you know, Titans may need to mix up a few things to, you know, help disguise their hand just a little bit better. Talking right now with Teresa Walker from the AP here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Looking at the defensive side of things, Devontae Adams is a guy that's historically had really good games against the Tennessee Titans. How are they preparing? How is Vrabel and company preparing for a visit from Devontae Adams? Well, if you look at what Stephon Diggs did to him on Monday night, you, <laughs> right. know, you know, be prepared to have uh, blinders on or you know, look away. It could get ugly early on on Sunday. Uh, you know, that that's the thing. They they signed a couple of the defensive backs off of a couple of different practice squads yesterday. They brought in Terrence Mitchell from uh, the Patriots practice squad. I can't remember the name of the other guy they brought from the Pittsburgh practice squad. So they've got two new guys. And, again, this is a coaching staff that last year, they did this a lot. They'd sign guys on a Wednesday, have them at practice, and get them up to speed. And, you know, Greg Maven was signed in the same situation as a cornerback on a Wednesday, started against Kansas City on a Sunday, and they won that game. So, you know, they, they have a track record of getting guys, new guys, up to speed in a hurry. Um, but, you know, they're banged up at the cornerback spot. They really need, you know, Elijah Molden, unfortunately, who had a really great rookie year for him. He's on IR, and, you know, he's still at least a week away before they can uh, try to activate him back. And, uh, you know, they just need bodies. So at this point, hope Christian Fulton plays. Caleb Farley's got to start playing a lot better. And thank goodness that they drafted Roger McCreary out of Auburn in the second round. Uh, that kid, he led them in tackles last week, 
as a rookie. Not something you want a cornerback having to do on defense. No, it's not. That's not a, a recipe for a win. I mean, it, it really isn't. And so as far as, I mean, here, Teresa, I mean, the Raiders are 0-2. So here everyone's talking about this game is just about a must win, almost a playoff game in September, which mathematically it's not, but nobody wants to start 0-3. What is the, not desperation feel, but what is the sense of urgency feel when it comes to the Titans? Well, a serious sense of urgency because this is a team that won 12 games last year and was the AFC's number one seed. So you're, you're looking at that to... You know, and it's like, wait, what, what, what's happening here? But this is also a team that plays in the AFC South. So, you know, the Raiders, AFC West, you're keeping, you got to keep pace with the, not the Joneses, but the Chiefs, the Chargers, you know, right? So, yep. uh, the Raiders are in a tough situation. The Titans, you know, you know, they're, yes, they're at the bottom of the AFC South, but it's the Jaguars with one win, uh, you know, that is atop their division. So, uh, a, a team that they've played pretty well over the last few years with Derrick Henry. So not as much panic at this point for the Titans, but nobody wants to start 0-3. The last time this franchise did it was 2009. They lost their first six games. And at that point, that became all-in for CJ2K. And, that you know, the biggest uh, accomplishment was getting Chris Johnson to 2,000 yards as a, rush, you know, as a rusher that year. That was the highlight of that season. So it can turn quickly. But back in that year, there's some guy named Peyton Manning playing for the Colts. And <laughs> so far, Matt Ryan has not shown that he's he was the savior they hoped he would be as just the latest starting quarterback in Indianapolis. Yeah, a few similarities that the Raiders and the Titans have had this season is the opposing quarterbacks they've played. And we heard it from the Raiders coaching staff about having to rush differently against Kyler Murray. And I think that the Titans had that same issue with Josh Allen. He's not as fast, but he is mobile. So what are some of the issues that the Titans defense has faced this season to be on to? Well, they, they've absolutely given up too many explosive plays. I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, didn't, you know, had his longest run in a couple of years uh, and, and finished with his best season since before he tore his ACL. I mean, going back to 2019, that's how good of a, you know, day that he had running the ball. And uh, they let Daniel Jones, you know, just, you know, do too many things to them. And, and then Jack, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, it, you know, they, they had a party. Uh, together on Monday night, you know, is how many times they get to the end zone, I, I lost count. So, uh, you know, but because Josh Allen, they think they'd have him. Jeffrey Simmons was so close to Josh Allen at one point, and he gets away and gets a first down. You know, that, that ability that Allen has to keep, keep drives alive and just get that extra yardage to keep a drive alive, that was one of the things that truly, truly they struggled with last week on Monday, well, Monday night. And they've got to do better with that. It, it's just that simple. They've got to, you know, if they can keep Derek Carr in the pocket, pocket and use Jeffrey Simmons to maybe collapse that pocket up the middle, that's, the, that's something that they're going to have to lean into pretty hard to try to help themselves with. Teresa, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you your biggest concern. When it comes to the Tennessee Titans taking on the Raiders this, uh, this Sunday in Nashville, what would you say is the biggest concern for Tennessee that the Raiders may be able to exploit? Uh, getting to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry if I'm Ryan Tannehill, just knowing that there's Max Crosby and Chandler Jones there. Again, Chandler Jones, you know, he just had a, you know, he was a pro bowler last year. And part of it was the game he had in the season opener against the Titans, five sacks, two forced fumbles. I mean, you know, uh, and Tannehill said, yeah, you'd like to keep those guys at arm's length. And, you know, right now there's a lot of serious question marks about this offensive line. Can they protect the quarterback? 
Can they uh, open holes for, for Derrick Henry? Uh, what can they do? And right now we're in Nashville. People are waiting to see uh, what can they do. Can they pull this one out of the fire? And maybe, uh, you know, because guys, after this, you know, they, they had a, a rough start to this season with like five of the first eight on the road. And, uh, you know, they're back on the road in Indianapolis after this game and with two of the next three away from home. This is a, almost a, a must-win for the Titans. You know, I, I said that was the last question, but I did want to ask you real quick about Todd Downing because Raider Nation knows Todd Downing really well. I kind of goof on him every once in a while. How much are the Titans possibly missing Arthur Smith, and is Todd Downing possibly on the hot seat at all? Well, fans wanted him fired during the game uh, Monday night. So, you know, at least from the outside, his seat is hot. Uh, but Mike Brabel is not a guy who has shown the inclination to make changes mid-season like that. Now, he did bring in a former Texans offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, as passing game coordinator to give kind of that extra viewpoint. And Todd Downing told us today that, you know, early in his career, he closed the door and tried to do too much by himself. And you know, he's grown as a coach, understands he needs to be more collaborative. But, you know, Arthur Smith, you know, he, he had this offense humming. You know, in 2020, they were the you know, tied for fourth in most points and second in yards. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill had the best year of his career with Arthur Smith as his, as his coordinator. So, it, you know, it's tough not to say that they don't miss him because, uh, you know, they obviously do. Right, absolutely. Well, great stuff, Teresa, as always. What do you got coming out on the AP that maybe give Raider Nation a little bit more a peek behind the curtain when it comes to the Titans? Well, I tweeted out a previous story a, a couple hours ago and uh, unfortunately, I might have to turn my head a little bit. To I've got hockey as well, Grizzlies on Monday. Nice. So, uh, but I will be at the game on Sunday. I will be there early, and I'll be tweeting away. So, I appreciate all the uh, Raider fans who are giving me a follow this week. And understand if you unfollow me after Sunday night. <laughs> it's all good, Teresa. It's always great to catch up with you. You do a fantastic job. We appreciate you. Thank you guys so much. All right, there she goes, uh, Teresa Walker from the AP on Twitter. At Teresa M. Walker. So go ahead, Raider Nation, give her that follow so you can find out what's going on with the Tennessee Titans. And she's great. She's fantastic. I've been talking to her for years when it comes to the Tennessee Titans and the NFL in general and uh, does a great job. She's won so many different awards because, well, she's just she knows her stuff. And I always appreciate any time she gives me a few minutes of her time uh, on this show. Again, Teresa Walker from the AP at Teresa M. Walker on Twitter. 245 is the time. We'll come back. Uh, we'll close out hour number one. I got a nice topic that I want to get to as we haven't really even given the, the show time because we started off with Coach Becky Hammond then followed that up with Teresa Walker. We're on fire right now. We're going to keep that fire going. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 2.50 is the time. Got a few minutes here. We'll close out hour number one. We'll close it out strong. We'll start out the show strong. Coach Becky Hammond joined us to start the show. Then we just heard from Teresa Walker from the AP talking all things Tennessee Titans. We still have Ted and Wynn from The Athletic. He's going to join us to talk all things Dylan Parham, that offensive line, little film breakdown with Ted. Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders radio broadcast will join us at 4. And then Vinny Bonsignor will close out our guest line at 4.30 uh, talking all things Raiders locker room, what he saw today, what the you know the vibe is around the team as they get ready to travel to Nashville, man. They got to go to Nashville and pick up a dub. It's more important for the Raiders to win than it is for the Titans. Of course, both teams I want to win. Nobody wants to go 0-3, but for the Raiders, man, if you go 0-3, all of a sudden you're, you're on the bottom looking up saying, what in the world happened? You know, it's almost like well, when you get punched in the mouth and you, you didn't realize that, that that person had that punch, and you look up and say, whoa, it's almost like when Mike Tyson got knocked out by Buster Douglas, right? He had never hit the canvas before, and all of a sudden he hit there, and he's like, well, what do I do now? Well, get your ass up. But he didn't know how to get up because he had never been knocked down before. So, you know, if the Raiders drop to 0-3, man, they're going to be looking up like Tyson on the canvas, just kind of saying, okay, 
Now what? So that's that's uh, less than ideal. So uh, for the Raiders, they got to go to Tennessee and make sure that they put their best foot forward and uh, give it the, every effort they have to come away with a victory. But we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Again, we don't have a guest again until 3.30 as Ted Wynn from The Athletic. Want to know, what is the biggest question you have about this team as it stands right now? It could be any question, offensively, defensively. It could be about the coaching staff. What is your biggest question? As they sit in 0-2. I know we asked about the biggest question in the offseason heading into the regular season when you're, okay, well, I don't know how this offensive line is going to gel. I don't know this. I don't know that. Now it's like, okay, they've got two games under their belt with a third one right in front of them. What is the biggest question that you have about this team right now? I'll throw this out there. Our good friend Jordan, Jordan Schultz put out there, and you can follow Jordan on Twitter at Schultz underscore report. Free agent linebacker Blake Martinez is visiting the Raiders tomorrow. Uh, he reported on Tuesday that Martinez visited with the Ravens as well. And if he signs with Vegas, he'll reunite with Patrick Graham. Obviously, uh, Martinez was in New York with the Giants last season. So was Patrick Graham. So uh, Blake Martinez has been a free agent for a minute. And I know a couple of people have, have hit us up and said, hey, why don't you guys bring him in? Or why don't you guys talk about this guy or that the other? And I just figured, hey, if they didn't want to bring in another linebacker, then maybe they felt pretty good at that position. But now Denzel Perryman is injured. And who knows how long he's going to be out, but that could be a reason why there's a more of a sense of urgency now for that linebacker position. And maybe it's not a sense of urgency. Maybe it's just doing their due diligence on a guy that they're very familiar with. So uh, Blake Martinez will be visiting with the Raiders tomorrow. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line. A very patient Raider Mike. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? Chew and tomorrow. Chilling. Uh, uh, can you repeat the question? Yeah, just what's the biggest question you have about this team as it stands right now? Um, right now, uh, I'll be honest, man. The question that I have is, you know, week one, okay, we lost to the Chargers. They're a good team. Um, what, what, I, what I'm so confused on is why do we continue to struggle with teams that we are so, supposed to beat? Like, on paper, we have a better team. We're talented all the way around. And, you know, that, that uh, our opponents always have a uh, weakness or multiple weaknesses, and yet we don't really go out there and exploit them instead it's like just like we did last week you know kind of like we're playing with fire at the end of the game and then we end up losing to a team we're supposed to beat so if anything that would be that's probably my only question is okay. just why when we're in a matchup whenever we play a team that we're supposed to beat we kind of like you know we kind of play down to the competition or we just play with fire we let them stick around a little too long instead of going out there putting our, our foot on their throats and just blowing them out, you know, because there's been multiple times with year after year after year that we've been in games like that. Even like uh, we played the Jets one year and we beat them at the last second, and we should have blew them out, you know. Right. So that, that's my that's my question, man. It's like it could, you know. And right now, man, it's hard for me. Like right, uh, it's hard for me to think that we're going to win on Sunday, man, because it's hard to trust the team right now. You right. Know? Yeah. We've been in this situation. We've been in this situation year after year, way too many times that. I can't trust the Raiders until I can trust the Raiders. You know, that we go out there and do the job that we know that we can do, but we don't do. So that's it, man. Hey, great call. Great call, man. Appreciate you. You know, that easily could be the biggest question, too. Why can't you trust the team going into week three, right? Why, why, why do you have that, still, that same feeling that you've had in past years of, I can't trust this team. I don't know if this team is going to get it done or if they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, right? I mean, again, that's something that, as you mentioned, uh, beating a team that you're supposed to beat. 
the Titans and the Raiders are very similar in that. You know, the Ra- the Titans should have won week one. They didn't. They had a lead, and they lost it. The Raiders last week should have won. They didn't. They had a lead, and they lost it. You know, and a lot of it is self-inflicted wounds. We just heard from Teresa Walker. She talked about penalties. What did the Raiders do last week? Had 10 penalties for 68 yards. Brought back some big plays. Turnovers. Shooting themselves in the foot. You know, that's that's just what, and I'm not calling the Raiders a bad team, but that's what bad teams do. They turn the ball over, and they get a bunch of penalties. And they try to work their way out of it. And for, fortunately for the Raiders last season, they were able to work their way out of a lot of those bad situations. Well, it's not always like that. So that could easily be the big question as well. But that's what I want to hear from you. Again, we have open lines right now at 702-365-9200. What's the biggest question you have about this team as it stands right now? 256 is the time. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.